We're in John chapter 4. We're looking at verses 43 through 54. Jesus has been to Samaria, and he stayed there two full days. The capital of Samaria, which is Sychar, the Jews would detour around Samaria, if at all possible. If they were not in a real hurry, they would detour around. And they would go from Judea, the Jerusalem area, to Galilee, and they would do their little detour, their bypass, and many times this added a few hours to their walk. Because the Jews wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. So avoiding them was the preferred approach versus dealing with them. But in verse 4 of chapter 4 of John, we read that Jesus said he needed to go through Samaria. We also read that the disciples, when they return from Sychar, and they find that Jesus is talking with a woman, they're kind of marveling at this. And she's not just a woman, she's a Samaritan woman. And this was a, a absolute no-no that uh, the Jews would have any interaction to do with Samaritans. And, uh, and so the disciples are amazed. But there's a lesson here. And that lesson is for us to be accepting of other races and other nationalities. Remember the events of 9-11 where the Twin Towers were destroyed? There was a wave of hate that went through our nation against the Arabs and the Muslims. And I heard one supposedly Christian fellow declare, turn the Arab world into a sea of glass. He was for nuking the Arab world because they attacked our, our Twin Towers. Now that was a little bit hard to accept coming from a Christian man, a husband and a father, but yet that's what he said. So we got to be a little careful when we begin to mentally assassinate any people group. Jesus has shocked his disciples by simply talking with, conversing with a Samaritan woman. A little bit about me. The French people are not my favorite people. That was until I discovered I was mostly French. God has a sense of humor. <laughs> but I have observed there's a real bias. And the bias that I see more than any is the haves being biased against the have-nots, the rich against the poor. And I'm very happy, I'm delighted that our Lord and Savior does not esteem one people group over another. 
the journey by Jesus through Samaria, we see that many Samaritans believe that he is Messiah, that he is the Christ. So we pick up in verse 43 of John chapter 4. Now after two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he had came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. In verse 44, we have Jesus stating a truth here. A prophet has no honor in his own country. Bear in mind, Jesus has just left Samaria. Just left conversing with this woman at the well. And her words were, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. But then he gets to Galilee. And Galilee happened to be Jesus' childhood home. And the people gather to him. But they only gather to him to see a, like a show and tell, you know, spectacular move or something like this. And they had seen Jesus at the feast there in Jerusalem. But the Samaritans, they received Jesus, received him as Messiah, but his own hometown people do not. Now, I think all of us have tasted a little family prejudice, not always in a good way. My own mother, and now I'm going to say bless her heart, now I can say anything about I want about her, was Pentecostal. She could never quite accept the fact that I was a pastor at a Calvary Chapel. At one of our family reunions down near Birmingham, one of my cousins said to my mom, aren't you proud of your son becoming a pastor? There was an awkward silence by my mother. She said nothing. She couldn't bring herself even to say, yeah, uh, he's done all right. Uh, He followed the Lord, but she couldn't bring herself to say that. And I don't know if it was against the Calvary Chapel movement or just against her son. So within my own family, my brothers included, I am without recognition in their circle of religious belief. But we have Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, and the Samaritans receive him. And they receive him with honor at his words. But his own hometown people do not. In fact, Jesus' own brothers do not believe in him until after his resurrection. But now we, John leads us into a discussion about the nobleman's son that is healed. So let's read verses 46 through 54. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, 
where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down, my child dies. So Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word of Jesus that he spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. This nobleman, he's traveled about 20 miles. Uh, and that was either a real one hard journey for one day or you could break it into two days. But this nobleman is probably a member of Herod's court, King Herod, and he's desperate. His son is very sick, and he's sick unto death. He's made this trip to Cana to plead uh, for Jesus to come to Capernaum and heal his deathly ill son. Any parent with a very sick or diseased child, we have compassion for that child. We love our children, and oftentimes we would rather see the sickness be on us versus on our child. But this nobleman traveling all day, at least one full day, to petition Jesus to come and heal his son. He implores Jesus, come down to Capernaum. Please come down, Jesus. Jesus has a word for this nobleman and the people that are listening. Jesus always points to truth in whatever he does. And he says, unless you people see a sign or signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman, is not, the nobleman, he's not wanting to hear words. He interjects, sir, come down before my child dies. He's basically saying, hey, Jesus, it's not a time for words. It's a time for action. But Jesus has taken time to rebuke not only the nobleman's unbelief, but all that are listening. He rebukes their unbelief. Now, Jesus has just came out of Samaria where they believed because of Jesus' words. He didn't do any miracles there in Samaria. But his fellow Jews 
will not believe. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas? Jesus told Thomas, be believing. By an act of your will, be believing Thomas. If you believe because of signs or wonders, that will be a belief that doesn't penetrate you and last very long. This nobleman has been reduced to the plight of death that awaits his son. Him being a nobleman has not given him immunity. Death comes to the rich, to the royalty, to the famous, just like it comes to the poor. Just this past week, the funeral of President Herbert Walker Bush, he died, 94 years old, just like each one of us will die. For it is appointed unto man to once die. So in reality, this nobleman only wants death to be delayed. That's the most he can ask for. Delay my son's death. I'm not a young man, can you tell? <laughs> and I find myself contemplating death much more than I used to. We think about it when we draw near to death. This nobleman's son is near death. And not only does this nobleman himself going to die, but his son is going to die eventually. They, we all suffer death. And all we're given is a little time. That's all we're given. Psalm says it's like a vapor of smoke. It's here one moment and then it's gone the next. So we're just a vapor of smoke. So it becomes so important what we believe. Whenever I do a funeral service, I mention if the person that has died, if they could say anything to us today, they would tell us it matters what we believe. It matters what you believe when you enter into eternity, everlasting. And Jesus, by his statement, he wants this nobleman and all the people of Cana to consider the important issue. Believing. There's the issue. The nobleman, he's got a reply for Jesus. Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus says to him, go your way, your son lives. Just like that. Just like that. Jesus has hit a cord of belief in this man. He has caused this man to believe. The nobleman believes and then he departs at Jesus' word. Jesus has tested his belief with, go your way. I'm not coming down. Go your way. 
Quit pleading. Go your way. Your son lives. Believe my words. Jesus is leading this nobleman into faith, into believing. Believing has no limits on mileage, on believing faith. This guy was one to two days journey away from Jesus and he came down. We can pray right here today all around the globe. We can pray for anyone in this world on any issue and we're heard by our Lord. So have faith, have belief with no bounds. The nobleman, he's headed home, and he's headed home believing. And when he receives news that his son's fevers, it's left him, he receives that news with joy. His son is healed. And he's healed the same hour that Jesus spoke, your son now lives. This News of living, his son living, has given the nobleman more to believe in now. He has, on top of the original belief, he now has additional belief. And that's the way we go through our walk with the Lord. We believe in something small, and then the Lord builds it into something wonderful. This nobleman, he's obeyed Jesus by believing and leaving. Now he's overjoyed. Now he realizes his son will live. We have hesitant belief that has met true belief by a miracle of Jesus' spoken word. And it says the nobleman and his whole household now believe. And they believe, the nobleman has, when Jesus said, go your way. The nobleman, he didn't hesitate anymore. He didn't question Jesus anymore. But he left in obedience to Jesus' word. My personal belief is we miss many opportunities to be healed by our Lord. And don't, don't misunderstand me here. I honestly thank God for good medical care, good doctors here in America. I really appreciate that. However, I try to ask God first for healing before I go to the doctor. I want to give my Lord an opportunity to be my healer. Sometimes he heals, sometimes he doesn't. I also believe 
God can guide and direct us to good doctors. And I believe many healings come about through good medical care. I believe that. But I want to be believing in our Lord who calls himself the great physician. We pray over many needs here at Calvary Chapel. And we have our little prayer area there in the back. And we anoint with oil and we pray a prayer of faith. We acknowledge God's word and we give God an opportunity to be our healer. So, why do we not always believe? Why do we sometimes think God's promises apply to everybody but me? God has what we call timing. He does things in his own time and in his own way. Our scripture reading this morning, the beggar at the beautiful gate of the temple. This beggar had seen Jesus, many of the disciples, pass him by numerous times going into temple. Until that appointed day when Peter declared to him, I don't have any silver or gold, arise and walk in the name of Jesus. That was that beggar's day of healing. God giving him his healing in God's time. Sometimes it's not always easy to accept God's timing. But I sure want to give God an opportunity to be my healer and to pray over you and be your healer. We are skillfully and wonderfully made, the Psalms tell us, in where our mother's womb. He, our Lord, formed us. He, our Lord, knows our frame. He, our Lord, is our great physician. Amen? Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. If you would like prayer for anything, there'll be people in the prayer room that would be delighted to pray with you. But let's pray. Father God, thank you for pointing out to this nobleman and to people there at Capernaum to believe. Just believe. To understand, to realize that you're more than capable of being our healer. Lord, may we put that into practice today. May we give you opportunity today to be our healer. This nobleman, he believed, went his way, and he was given his request. His son lived. And Lord, many times it's hard for us to believe because we look at circumstance. But let us be believing. Let us Enjoy the comfort of you as you heal, as you provide, as you make a way for us, Lord. 
There's no issue too big or too small for you, Lord. So increase our faith. Give us more faith to believe. For you are a good and gracious God. And we cast all our cares upon you because you love us. And I'm, I'm sure there's many times that you desire to be our healer, but we just blow right through it. So, Lord, help us to recognize your goodness, your grace, and the power that you have to heal. May we understand that. And may, may you just bless us with your goodness. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.